Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Dr. Kate Kalnas is a leader in physical education. She speaks on the state and national level on the health and well-being of the female adolescent. Her work on the front happens primarily at New Trier High School, where she's a physical education teacher, and at North Park University, where she serves as adjunct professor. She's also the co-owner and technical director of Police Kinesiology Company, an instructor at Northeast Multi-Regional Training, a police training academy in Illinois. She's a certified CSCS through the National Strength and Conditioning Association and has done great things in strength, but is most known for her innovative approach to female health and wellness. She wrote and currently teaches the curriculum of Fit Female up at Nutrier and conducts research on social media's effect on body image and self-worth. Kate is a great friend of the project. She has been an inspiration to hundreds of young women and all of her peers. Part of her talent for interacting with young athletes comes from her own experience as an athlete. We found out during our time together that she's sneaky good at volleyball and is actually a member of her college's Hall of Fame. We had a great time sitting down with talented athlete, educator, and researcher, Dr. Kate Kalmus. Volleyball was always my sport. Mm -hmm. uh, started in fourth grade, probably prior to that in my basement with my dad, setting up a fake little net with a ball. He would practice with a beach ball and <laughs> I like it. In the backyard on the trampoline throwing me balls. I would jump and hit them. And so I uh, really played volleyball all through. Ended up um, going to a very small school in Alabama because I was so short that going... How, how short exactly? 5'4". 5'4". That's not that short. And I played front row, and if I went to any others, most schools would tell me I had to play in the back row and wouldn't let me mm -hmm. go to the front. But I said I'm going to a small school that will allow me to play around. And so I found a small school in Alabama called Huntingdon College. Absolutely. It was uh, in Montgomery. And never stepped off the court my whole four years there. Um, we had a lot of coaching issues uh, and bad recruiting. So my junior year was actually a middle hitter at 5'4". Mm -hmm. Could jump uh, out of the gym, yes? Absolutely, because of my trampoline training at my house <laughs> with my father. Um, and the weight bench that I got for my 12th birthday. So I always trained from the I like time it. I was young. I like it. Um, but yeah, so I actually got All-American National Small College Association, All-American sure. as a middle, wow. um, and no one could believe it. And <laughs> got it again as a senior, I finally moved back to the outside position. Um, and now I'm actually in the Hall of Fame at that school because of my um, the, the records of hits and uh, aces and All-American honors and yeah. things like that. When you, this is a serious question, when you sign checks, <laughs> do you sign HOF? Like no. After, no. <laughs> no, I do no. not. I And honestly, this is probably the second time I've even talked about it. My family right. knows and I've never mentioned it to anybody again. It's just so happy. I got it a couple I'm years a, ago and I just never An All-American and a Hall of Famer, no like, big deal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, it's cool, but it's, you know, again, little small college in Alabama. My picture's up there. and That's awesome. On a little plaque. <laughs> That's very cool. How did you, are you from, where are you from? No, I'm from the southwest side, uh, like Oaklawn area. Mm -hmm. 
So I went to Queen of Peace High School in Burbank, all girls high school, which is now closed. Cried my eyes out when that really? happened two years ago, or maybe last year. Yeah, just closed. Um, it was an amazing, amazing time there. Um, which jumping, when I got here, I started my fit female class because I had such an amazing time with the all girls school that I wanted to bring a piece of that with me. Hmm. So a lot of my public school kids always feel bad for me when I tell them I went to an all girls high school. <laughs> but I tell them that it was the most amazing time of my life, and if I could do it again, I would do it in an instant. Wow. So. Yeah. So, well, tell us more about that class. Um, it's a kinetic wellness class here at Nutrier. Mm -hmm. um, for juniors and seniors can elect, and it is activity and education um, classroom piece. So we do a wide range of activities from kickboxing to step aerobics to drum fit, um, Pilates yoga, anything you can really think of. It's all instructor-led. And education-wise, we look at women's health issues from heart disease and breast cancer to um, sexual and reproductive health. And we talk about relationships and um, the underlining theme of the class really is self-worth of the female adolescent. I love that. That feels like a good transition to the project of excellence that you've had. Um, first of all, can you explain to us what that means? Because it sounds awesome and it is awesome. Uh, and what did it look like for you? Right, so last year I proposed a project where um, I would educate um, the staff, the community, um, and basically just the greater Nutrier um, community about self-worth in the female adolescent. So this year I created a curriculum for the advisor system. I worked with the KW staff on their sophomore health curriculum. I presented to the community um, a follow-up piece to the Rachel Simmons talk, Enough As She Is, and I facilitated a four-hour professional development workshop for faculty and staff here. Which people had incredible things to say about. Yeah, it went really well. It pretty much could have went a few hours right, <laughs> past right. those. Four. Well, tell us a little about what that looked like. People, I'm telling you, people that whole day were buzzing. Yeah, it was a, a good mix. Um, it was close to 30 people um, from um, the math department. So we had some coaches, we had KW, we had um, just a um, MCL, just a wide range. We had both men and women there. And we went through two major topics that I talk about in terms of my research on this. And so we talked about leadership and um, how to get our girls to be more comfortable using their voice. And then we talked about the, this idea of turning down the beauty and um, kind of pulling away from getting wrapped up into the societal expectations of a beauty and appearance. I, I think that's amazing. I'm, I'm gonna keep pressing you on it. I want like this most speci as specific as you're willing to get because uh, the self-worth conversation is, is a vital one. It feels appropriate. One, one reason Alex and I are so excited to have you here is because it feels like one that could certainly fit in this realm, whether it's physical education or athletics or somewhere within that uh, space, I think we need to be talking about it. So if a coach wanted to adopt that or, or, or fold that into his or her uh, messaging to, to the team, what would that look like? So there's a few tips I talk to 
um, even parents and teachers about uh, listening to the kids and um, you know one of the first ways that you can kind of really gauge if a girl is confident in her voice is how she begins a sentence or how hmm. she begins a question to you whether she apologizes before she asks it or she uh, puts a little piece of self-doubt in there such as well I think or mm -hmm. maybe this um, instead of just giving her answer or if she it's called up speaks so where she turns a statement into a question so it would be coach Davis is a strength coach like right, that right right so that <laughs> um, on all of those things lower the risk of her being wrong so if hmm. she was wrong then she could easily say, well, that's what I, I wasn't sure. Or I, th mm -hmm. I remember I said I thought that. And so um, oftentimes female adolescents and females, even adults, are um, very concerned with other people disagreeing with them, which mm -hmm. is why we have less women taking positions of leadership mm -hmm. um, because they're afraid of that risk. And so it, it pulls our girls away. And if we don't push them past that, then they can just get wrapped in that and never really ask themselves to take those risks. Yeah, th that's, I think it's a really interesting point. Those are things that I think I have probably noticed, but, but didn't have a fine enough filter for. Uh, okay, so what if you, if I'm interacting with a female athlete and she, and I notice this, these tendencies, uh, how do I advise her? So it's best not to call her out in front of the group unless sure, this sure. is something that you've talked about as a group. Um, for instance, right. in my fit female class, we've talked about this kind of um, speaking. And if somebody starts that way, I'll often stop them and have them restart. Because everyone already understands. We've already, right? Yes. Right. Um, so if that's something maybe as a team you've decided that this is not how, you know, when I go into a race or when I go start the game, I'm not going to say, oh, I don't know how good I'm going to do today. Like mm -hmm. if we take that away, you know, then that could be a team piece that you call each other out on. Um, or it could just be an individual conversation. A girl, uh, you know, female comes up to you, says, oh, I'm sorry, Coach Davis. But and you say, you don't have to apologize. Let's restart. Come back in and ask me this question. You know what's funny about that? I think I, I don't think. I do that all the time unintentionally. <laughs> And, and I literally, I, I even ask people, I'm, I'm maybe ruder than I ought to be. Like, you didn't do anything wrong. You don't need to apologize. And I like, right. you can go out, you just, let's just start again. Yeah. For sure. So that's good that I'm pressing on that kind of, or? Yes, as long as it's not in a way where she is then going to be defensive and totally. scared. Right, right, right. <laughs> scared, right, right. Fear is not right. what we're trying to cultivate. It's not an, a motivator. Um, mm -hmm. To most females, fear right. is not a motivator. It will right. only pull them away farther right. from the activity That's or the That's a really risk. good point. Yeah. it's a really good point. Um, um, well, you mentioned your research, and that's what informs so much of this. What did that look like? I, I have to say, and you know this, I'm, I'm pretty deeply embedded. Um, I'm not a physical education teacher, but I see that world directly often. You don't often see doctors in the field. So for a number, uh, I'm, I'm going to risk a... Uh, a silly line here, but at five four, you stand out in a crowd. Uh, <laughs> you nailed what do you think? that one. What do you think, Coach? Nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> Are we gonna keep that? Yeah, hundred percent. We'll keep that one. In. Uh, <laughs> but I, but I mean, it's the truth. I, I think uh, I, what I what I admire about you and that effort so much is that, um, like, let's just we, if we we're never gonna. 
advance if we don't look honestly at things. And the honest truth is there is a stigma surrounding uh, physical education uh, and physical educators. Um, and that, I think, is that stigma, sadly, is sometimes upheld by uh, the quote, roll the ball out and feel free to push back on that. Maybe not at our place, right? But at some places. Um, but it also is getting in the way, I think, of some of our young students experiencing what could be some of the most important lessons um, that exist. So we have a, we have a doctor in the house. Um, well, let me two things. I do want to know about the research. What led you down that path? What pushed you forward uh, to pulling in an advanced degree? And, and what did that research look like? Um, I've always loved being a student. Um, I've always loved education and just learning. And so it had always been just a goal of mine to get my doctorate. And so as I was moving through, um, <clears throat> I was choosing whether to go the strength conditioning exercise science route or to go more of the education route. And um, I had some mentors in my life that kind of pushed me the education way. So got my doctorate in education. Um, my dissertation ended up being on social media and its effects on um, body dissatisfaction yeah. of female adolescents. And that idea actually came, I had my fit female class and I had to decide what to do for my dissertation. And so I opened it up to the class. I said, will you guys give me some ideas? I want to do something female adolescent because I had coached it. I have one sister, I have four nieces. I mean, just like, mm -hmm. just women have been in my life um, so much. And so... I remember one girl, her name was Kat, she raised her hand and she's like, social media is destroying me. I was like, what? Wow. And this was kind of newer, right? This was when Facebook kind of just came out. And, and so even my work, as I was writing it, because it took you know, a good three years to get to the end, it sure. was already obsolete, <laughs> really, mm -hmm. because no one was even using Facebook anymore by the time. That was like Instagram and this was all yeah. just new and coming up. But the idea stayed the same right. is that this was changing the way that our girls are experiencing the world and it was a struggle for them and they didn't know how to navigate it and so that's where that piece came from um, and I you know and I took that knowledge into the fit female course and then continued that with a you know the project of excellence and you know and I really just back to your other comment if you're leaving it in there or not but I don't think that you know getting my doctorate makes me that much better of a teacher as any other sure. person, especially on our staff. Mm -hmm. Our staff is amazingly talented. Um, it just is the path that I chose and right. it's what has pushed me to other opportunities in my world. Um, but I, you know, again, I think it has opened up other things for myself, but I don't think it's the path everyone needs to go in order to be a, a quality teacher. I think that's, totally fair and an important distinction. I hope I didn't make it seem, I don't think every quality PE teacher needs to go become a doctor. I just think it is so, it's just, it's refreshing. You know, like I said, people have these stigmas and you're like, ah, no. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I take this really seriously. I know what the heck I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, we do work in a, a special place for that actually. But we have a doctor in the department. We have multiple teachers of the year. Uh, oh yeah, right. National and Teachers of the Year. We have um, four of them. Yeah, four. Yeah, uh, Midwest. We have one Midwest Teacher Andy, of the Year, Andy. and then three national. So who, who are the Jason rest? was Midwest Jason. Okay. a few years ago. Yep. And then Andy, Andy, and Johanna are national. That's right. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and it is it's it's cool to be on the front lines and seeing people do such good work. It's inspiring. Um, you mentioned some of the other opportunities it has provided, though. Um, you're a college professor, or have been. Tell us what that looked like, and maybe some of the other opportunities that have come with um, yeah. the, the advanced degree. Um, yeah, I've been adjunct professor uh, teaching personal health at North Park University, mm -hmm. and I created their first hybrid course this past summer and led that, so that was an interesting... What does that look like? So they, the exercise science department really wanted to start creating more online courses, mm -hmm. and um, as far as I know, this was their first try at it. Um, yeah. So it was where students did majority of their work on their own um, through the work that I had created and, and given mm -hmm. them and the articles I've had them read and things like that. And then we would come together, we would do a workout together, we would refresh uh, about the information, things like that. And um, it was all about really creating this personal wellness plan for themselves. Now they're on their own in college, they don't have maybe their PE teacher or their parents kind of pushing them and feeding them. And um, so a lot of the students find the class refreshing in that they're like reminded of all these amazing things that they've forgotten to do for so long now mm -hmm. um, and so they they do a lot of life-changing in the class it's really pretty amazing to read their reflections um, I just had a girl email me in the beginning of the year actually I had her maybe a year ago and she said that in the beginning of class she was very unhappy with having to take it because it's a prerequisite yeah and um, she said she couldn't even run the 12 minute run. We had done some timing and assessment stuff and she said I couldn't even run it. And she said now I've lost 30 pounds, I've gotten off my medication and I'm running marathons all Get because of, of this class. And she wrote me this whole letter about her, you know, thanking me for the, you know, guidance and information that I'd given her during that class. So, you know, it really is about the education, just getting these students to understand why it's so important to be focusing on and not only just exercise, but you know, nutrition and sleep and all, you know, mental health and wellness and all that kind of stuff. So totally, that's really important. Um, okay, so you were a mentor for sure. Continue to be. You also uh, mentioned some mentors in uh, the discussion of your professional build. Who were some of those people, um, and what were the kind of things that they did for you? Uh, so I had, just going from most recently, I guess it would be um, my coach who, when I was in high school, I started at um, Lions Juniors Volleyball Club, mm -hmm. and I was an outsider there for sure. It was everybody was from Lions Juniors High School. It was a club that was just starting and my dad took me out there and he's like, this is where you're going to go. I don't know. I don't remember why. <laughs> um, right. And the head coach there who had started the program was um, just amazing on so many fronts, just like personal interaction and offering those risk-taking opportunities. Um, you know, as I said, I, I'm short and I've always been short um, but she didn't hold me back from that at all she's like you're playing front row you're playing outside and mm -hmm. no one had given me that chance prior to that and uh, I had stayed with her from you know all my high school career and then when I came back from college she gave me a coaching job right away she gave me one of her highest level teams I had never coached before but wow. she just 
knew me as a person and knew the way that I used to play and she knew that if I brought that energy and um, fierceness to her teams then then we'd be all right so what was it, what's her name Sue Keck Sue Keck and I had coached for her I don't even know 10 something years and I still keep in touch with the family and I don't coach anymore just because of the distance but she's had me back to do kickboxing lessons and really um, I'm actually my youngest daughter is gonna do I said if they ever want to try volleyball they're not starting anywhere except with someone that Sue is something Sue sets up wow. so I'm driving all the way to Lyons to bring my youngest daughter to a three-day volleyball camp and wow. I offered to coach it so I could be on the floor with her and so they brought me back in, you know, no questions asked. Yeah, let's go. Here you are, you know. And That's um, awesome. and she has built, We like I said, when I started, she had like two or three teams. And now, under Lions Juniors, and now I think she has like five or six clubs under her name. <laughs> so wow. huge explosion. And um, she's just a... Uh, um, what makes her so special and her team so unique? You know, she... Yeah, I talk to her daughter all the time, and she said that coaches from all over come and just talk to her mom about how did you set this up, what did you do, and she goes, she does the job of 40 people on her own, and she just never stops, and she is so hardworking and just knows what needs to be done and just gets it done, I mean, just yeah. simple as that, and but I never saw her as like stressed or, you know, you think of somebody with that much, you know, happening under her and around her, and I just, she was always just calm and yeah and I, I remember I actually was at a coaching clinic here and I found out she had breast cancer and I oh, was I lost it like I was really and she fought it came back she's seriously <laughs> still kicking she's great you know as far as I know super healthy and this is was I don't know maybe 10 years ago now wow. or so seven years ago now uh, so she's just uh, just a fierce competitor in the world of club volleyball she sounds amazing yeah. Um, I really like that idea of does the work of 40 people but doesn't seem stressed. We, you know, we have talked about um, how one frames stress and quality of stress. And stress in the body is a pretty specific thing, right? It's a, a chemical and hormonal reaction to perceived threat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a real thing. But we essentially, I, I feel like we have assigned the word stress to like anytime we're busy or we have a volleyball game. I'm mm -hmm. so stressed. I'm not gonna, I, I won't diminish that because some people really do get stressed about that, but I wish we we all could. And I think one of the things that we're trying to do is reframe um, how people look at tasks, right? right? Like if one had just a healthy bias toward action and believed in their purpose and, and mission and, and had uh, decent foresight and could kind of had a vision of where things wanted to go and you just keep plugging away, then a bunch of work doesn't seem like the work is a four letter word. Uh, you just go, you just do your thing. And if your thing is volleyball mm -hmm. and developing a system that, that empowers a lot of young people, um, I, I wonder if she would say that old kind of kind of lame cliche, you know, I've never worked a day in my life. Right. And really she's done more than Well, and than she trains have. her coaches so well that she just builds herself an army around her that yeah. she knows she can depend on. Yeah, So that's key, mm -hmm. for sure. Another mentor yeah. um, in my life, I talk about parents a lot. Really, even so much in my adult life, taking risks is still difficult and it's still scary. And 
my mom really is constantly pushing me to take those risks and um, whenever I'm questioning myself or doubting myself she will always be coming to my aid telling me why I need to be taking these risks and even if I fail you know she's always applauding me for my efforts and I think that's important to do for kids now um, to know that taking risks and failing isn't necessarily going to take you out like it yeah. just there's a term called failing forward and my mom often pushes me to fail forward so mm -hmm. it will move you to a new opportunity that's great so you've mentioned your dad a couple times mm -hmm. um, tell us more about him please <laughs> So he's a Vietnam vet, mm -hmm. um, but despite what you hear about most Vietnam vets, he actually likes to talk about his experiences. Yeah. Uh, so he wrote multiple books and he would travel the country and do a um, character, he called it, um, I can't remember right now, but it was, just, it was about character. and. Mm -hmm. He taught character through his experiences in the war. So he would go to high schools around the nation and I would travel with him. Um, and he would go even to schools in the area so my friends would see him. And So some funny stories about that because he's really intense. Um, but also the calmest, gentlest man you've ever met. You know, it just depends yeah. on, on when you get him. But uh, his way of parenting, my mom doesn't love when I tell stories, but about it but I really do think that he absolutely um, you know really guided me towards this like more of a like risk-taking go out there um, he was he volunteered for the war um, and yeah. it was a suicide mission basically so he also volunteered to be point man um, on his uh, time in the bush what they call it and at one point his platoon leader Yamani took his place because my dad was getting tired and so my, Yamani's like take a break I'll take your place and pretty immediately stepped on a landmine and had died and so my dad growing up would consistently remind me that this man gave his life for me because my dad found me and my sister to be his greatest accomplishments and so it was always like in my head do Yamani well <laughs> kind of thing like so he would just these stories he would tell and um and that's kind of a deeper story but in terms of like he was a big bike rider he um did many bike riding tours across the country and so when we were growing up he always wanted us to ride bikes and we had to have like the real bikes like with the bar and i was always seven but i had like this like huge bike yeah so one time i shoelace got tied around the the pedal and i fell in the middle of the street and my sister and my dad and he just walked to the sidewalk and just stood there and my sister's crying like help her he's like no i'm not helping her like yeah. she needs to deal with this so i'm in the middle of the street with this massive bike on top of me i'm seven years old i have to like drag myself off my whole legs all dragged up i'm like it took me forever i couldn't get my shoe off i couldn't and then i had to pick the bike up and i finally got up he's like all right let's go home <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I had to like ride the bike of crying like you know uh, but it was just one of those things and he would always say like I'm not always going to be there mm -hmm. you know like if that happened and you were on your own what would you do would you just sit yeah. in the middle of the street no so you know it was that's kind of how he taught me growing up yeah. and I kind of you know kind of doing that now <laughs> to my kids and yeah. um and I don't, you know, and it may seem heartless a little bit or a little bit too intense, but, I, you know, at times I really, 
I think that we need that a little bit. Oh, like, yes, like, no one's going to save you all the time. Like, you need to do it yourself. And we do, and I cannot help but um, have you heard about, like the the chick in the egg? <clears throat> I, you haven't heard this, so I'm just going to tell you. So there's the, like if you if you help if if you like go with your instinct, see a chick breaching from its egg, and and like pull it, like get help get oh, it out. Yeah. Like the chick almost certainly will die. Mm. Um, but it, it's like it, it builds its first musculature. I don't right. know about psychological, but like literally physical resilience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's building its musculature as it pecks away and like breaks out of the egg um, on its own. Yeah. Like you're not supposed to right. help it. Um, that is such an important topic, and I don't know that, like, I don't know that we want to spend all day on this. Although probably we could. But uh, there, there really is something to that. I don't know when the, the confidence and positivity movement began. Uh, was it was that like a '90s thing in modern psychology? Something yeah, like, like that. the self-esteem stuff. The self-esteem movement. Yeah. And, and and let me also say, like, I I totally get it. Like, be good to kids. I'm I'm on board mm-hmm. with that idea. But but prepare. But we're preparing them, and that's kind of like our job, yeah. right? Not only as educate like parents and educators, our job is not just to be. It's not just to be kind, although that's mm-hmm. certainly a component. Um, we're preparing people. Right. That, that is, that's the way that, that's, that's how um, every species advances. Like, there's no exception to that. We prepare our, our young or whatever, the next generation, to move on. Then, they, then their lessons trickle down to the next generation. We get better because of that. Well, in uh, my movement from body image to self-worth, self-esteem is kind of in that middle. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of the research is showing that we've really created this um, group of narcissists with wow. this self-esteem movement, mm-hmm. and that it's it's actually hurt a lot of our kids because self-esteem deserts us when we need it most. So we mm-hmm. tell them that they're so good and they're amazing and and all this stuff, but then they fail, which inevitably everybody will, right? Yep. And now they have nothing to go back to because well I was always told that I was the best how did I not get you know the lead in the play or how am I not a starter you know oh coach must just hate me or things like that are said um and we're not you know real with our kids like that it's that self-awareness that they just don't have of that you're not going to be good at everything and Mm -hmm. it's okay to fail to take a risk and to fail is actually really good for you right um and a lot of our our kids are just not being conditioned in that way so it's that is scary for them such an incredible quote by the way self-esteem deserts us when we need it most i are you a football fan at all no okay fair, <laughs> fair. all right the carolina panthers tell me if this metaphor or this image holds and you can mm-hmm. you okay. can be like that was stupid if you'd like that's fine um the carolina panthers played the broncos in the super bowl a few years back the panthers were like at times dominant they were really really good and they were really this is sad to say because i i don't think i'm that i'm old i'm not that old uh but all these young men are like it felt like they were on the self-esteem movement and here's why this matches up with your quote so well when they were up they could ride that wave of momentum and and positivity and they would blow the team out when they were up two scores they were almost Mm -hmm. certainly going to win they were behind twice over the course of the season, once in the regular season, once again in the in the Super Bowl, and they and they just couldn't come back. They just yeah. couldn't. Their their star Cam Newton, who I 
I hope does continue to go on and do good things. I think, I think he's a genuinely good guy. It's not a knock on him as a person at all. But do you remember this, Alex? Mm-hmm. He, he, he <laughs> like the defense set up a score, and this is the star all-pro quarterback. Like he just he laid down on the sideline. He like flopped down on the sideline uh, when things weren't going their way. They had nothing. Mm-hmm. They had nothing. Um, man, so that's just so resonant. And again, back to this idea. It feels like athletics and physical education might be the perfect place to teach those lessons. How do you do that for young women? Or is it kind of a case-by-case basis you address the way people interact with challenge? Yeah, I often, you know, people ask me, will you, will you come in and talk to my teens or will you come in and talk to... And I don't like the one and done kind of thing. I yep. think it needs to be more of an environment that you set up. And I'm, I'm doing that. I'm coming up. I'm, I'm talking to a team, but it's because it's... Um, built into a uh, thing that the coach is doing it's these are conversations that are continually happening and i'm just coming in at one point but um i would almost rather talk to the coaches and this is the type of environment you need to be setting up right these are the types of risks that are okay and this is the type of language you should be looking for Mm -hmm. and because then that that's going to create the community that these girls are going to thrive in right so it's not just me coming once saying you should be empowered and use your voice. I mean, they, you know, (laughs) okay. That might empower them maybe for what, 15, 20 minutes. They feel great for 15. Right. 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 But then they're going to go back to their old ways, especially if, you know, I'm out and now here's the, these coaches that, you know, aren't continuing the message. So, um, so I don't know if it really is a, and that's why, you know, fit females a year long. Most of my students take it twice. So I have mm-hmm. them for two years. I've seen major growth. Yeah. Uh, and in the reflections, I know that that continued community has really kind of propelled them into a different path, really, yeah. um, in terms of self-development, self-awareness, self-worth. But it's, it's not because of that one lesson, right? It's because of the community and the environment that has been set up totally. um, throughout the year. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, the metaphor, it's funny because I'm not a car guy, but I use a lot of car metaphors. Like like the uh, the one the, the one stop, you can absolutely rev the engine, put gas in the car, all that stuff, but, but someone, the coaches, they're the ones that are continually driving mm-hmm. it, keeping it on the road, and, yeah. and um, dealing with barriers as they, as they pop up. That's important. I think it's important for anyone listening to this who might be a coach to recognize too is that um, we're all frequently we look to the outside to bring people in um, that that is I think that's good I think it's valuable mm-hmm. um, but that is that is a cultural enhancement or that might be trying to address a one of the pitfalls of your culture but but professional development is maybe one of the best investments I could imagine for a staff or a group of people trying to to create something like this an environment like this it's important um, so I'm often asked why female emphasis, why I put all my work on the female emphasis. And I'm not trying to ignore the fact that male adolescents have their issues too and are struggling with a lot growing up. Um, But it's different than the females. And my world of being a female coach and um, being surrounded by so many females my whole life, I feel like that was just my um, natural path. Uh, But Despite that, um, or going along with that, there's also so much research showing that our girls are really struggling right now. Um, in terms of social media, they are the highest group, uh, the female adolescents is the highest group of users of social media. They basically run it. Um, and But that is 
adding to rates of depression and anxiety. And um, there's some numbers out there showing that um, uh, depressive symptoms have increased by 50% um, over the past few years, and that's more than twice the number of boys. They are seeing the highest levels of unhappiness ever recorded in female first-year college students. Um, twice as many females as males say they feel depressed frequently or occasionally, and that number has shot up 25% in just the last 15 years. Um, and so this is, you know, we are definitely seeing issues uh, with our yeah. girls. And this is all stemming from social media, you believe? I think a lot of it is. I don't think all of it is, because right. um, I'm seeing some of the same things that I remember dealing with sure. growing up. Um, but as a girl gets older, her confidence declines as drastically as her desire to change her appearance increases. And now you hmm. have huh. your social media in your hand, yep. and they're no longer, I guess at the same level, they're not really comparing themselves to uh, the singers and the actors and the actresses all that they're really looking at instagram or, or whatever they're looking at and saying okay this girl's in my english class right right why That's does she totally look right. like that exactly um and and it's not it's not that they don't have the knowledge if you ask them to write a paper or you ask them to give a speech or you have a discussion with them about any of the um the ways they can change their pictures on social media or how people pick only the best pictures and mm -hmm. they can go on and on they and get. on Right. They have that knowledge, but there's still something in their head that will click it on of ice, but I still want to look like that. Um, and, you know, and now what they're showing is really now we're moving from comparing themselves to others on social media to now they're comparing themselves to their own social media image. Mm -hmm. So now yeah. um, they've created this life offline or online. And now their offline life doesn't match up. And that is creating turmoil for mm -hmm. them. When they look in the mirror, they're not seeing that amazing picture that they doctored and, and, and put up. So right. how do they live up to even themselves in this online world uh, is really you know, something that is starting to take hold um, as, the, as the girls are getting older and using it, it more and It's more. a scary thing, for real. I think for the maybe the first time in the history of uh, human evolution and technology, at least, I think we've we've gone past ourselves. And there's this old sort of joke that uh, you know, uh, when when the printing press first came out, there were all these Surgeon General's warnings about how you know reading books might call might might cause antisocial behavior and all this kind of stuff. Well, it's you know, so there is a little bit of that. Like, am I just being like an old old mm -hmm. person at the you know with this new technology? But I don't think so. I'm looking at it through the lens of cognitive neuroscience, and I would say that even the most compelling story can only hold you through through one means, and mm -hmm. that is the how compelling the story is. But if a dog barks, you turn because because your attention network is is triggered. Your threshold is surpassed. That the thing that I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at my phone. That thing is like they've got us. Like every, the people who designed that are some of the most brilliant people on the mm -hmm. face of the planet mm -hmm. and they understand how the brain works and everything that they do is meant to catch and hold our attention. That's it. That's like their job. And then once, you're, once they've got it, then you can talk about marketing and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but that's really their job. And I just am thinking even you mentioned they're not comparing themselves to 
uh, the big singer anymore, where once that was a thought line, you know. Right, you uh, look in the magazines and see right. the covers or whatever. Yeah, that was right. kind of my time. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. And, and, and value is in some regard based on like magazine sales. Now it's like, well, the girl, like you say, like the girl in my English class mm-hmm. got 150 likes right. on this and the currency is, is, this, is this button tapping. Uh, it's just, it changes everything. And then you add in the non-face-to-face commentary that other people are free to make uh, and it just, you know, everything is being judged in this new and fast um, and I think potentially damaging way mm-hmm. that it's, that's a real concern. <laughs> not to, not to be negative, but obviously that's why you've done the work that you've done. Yeah. We need to give them tools. It, they're not going to stop using it and we shouldn't right. tell them to completely stop using it. Um, Rachel Simmons tells us that in, in her work, but we need to teach them that you don't go on Instagram when you're feeling terrible about yourself or you're mm-hmm. having a really bad day. Which is, I gotta say, is counterintuitive right. because that's where then you get these little dopamine drips. You get through. these trigger, like <laughs> these positive triggers potentially, or you self-indulge and wallet. Yeah. Totally right. Yeah. So just teaching them how do you feel when you use it? How do you feel when you use it this way? And what about this way? And teaching them how to use it for the good that that is there because there is some good of it. But um, you know, kind of just trying to steer them away from some of those more negative ways of using right. social media. That's totally right. Steer them away from that. And, 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 I, and that is, uh, that, that's the perfect point, I think, because like, we, you don't want to, like, you have to pay attention to what people are paying attention to. And if right. this is that, then we can't be the, we can't be the finger wagging, like, don't get off social media, you teens. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just silly and it's not going to yeah, work. Yeah, then they won't listen to anything you say. No, exactly. <laughs> and you lose credibility in every other way, too. <laughs> But uh, d- developing healthy relationships, helping people outline a framework of what's appropriate uh, and what's not appropriate, what is real life and what is completely fake. And one thing, if, if anyone wants to pick up and try to use this with their teams, across the board, one thing that teens are most interested in is um, a sense of like personal agency. They want to feel like, for the first time in their lives, they're developing, and they're like, they want to feel like they've, that they've got it, that they're becoming adults. They want that sense. And one thing that I- Sense of control. They want a sense of control. And one thing that some, you know, you, you've heard my spiel before in, in classrooms and conversations. One thing that people have come to me afterwards and have found compelling that goes counter to that is that they've lost, they feel like at times they've lost control. So once you acknowledge that uh, the iPhone is controlling them in ways that they didn't recognize, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, forget that. You know, maybe, right. maybe you force them to check back in. Yeah. Um, so I, and I, I'm always on this kick. I'm like, instead of self-esteem, which is good, let's promote self-reliance, which is better and might also lead to moments of self-esteem, but where appropriate. Um, well, I think your work is absolutely necessary and super interesting, and we could talk about it all day, but, in, but our guy, Coach Nadoma, yeah, it's time for the lightning round, and he just he won't let us leave without it. You ready for this? Yeah, I guess. Heck yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, what was the first concert you ever went to? Janet Jackson, Black Cat. What would constitute a successful day? I am driven by the feeling of accomplishment. So I wake up super early so I could feel accomplished by getting my workout done, feel accomplished by getting some work done before I go to my classes. So if I feel like I've had a productive day, that's that's a good feeling. 
uh, I know you picked this question out and you loved it so much. Uh, so I'm going to ask it to you. What animal would you least like to be locked in a room with? Well, actually, okay. going back to a zoo date I had with my niece, I found out that the otter is one of the most aggressive animals. And the zookeeper told me he would rather be locked in with um, a crocodile than an otter. Really? He they said so they are so dangerous, and no one comes out of dealing with them without just like just mangled. Like, uh, yes. I know it's his job, but that sounds like a personal phobia that he has like. <laughs> no, he's seen it. He said that. He goes, they're so <laughs> cute. <laughs> it's so cute, and everyone loves to watch them, but they are vicious. Yeah. Uh, like Zootopia. Another good takeaway. Have Watch out seen, for otters. Have you seen Zootopia? I have not. Mr. Otterman goes crazy in uh, the bit. right. And he's super vicious. That's have what they do. Have you seen Zootopia? You know that I have. I didn't. Well, uh, now you know. Now I do. Um, <laughs> advice from a leader, yourself, to a future leader about to embark on a similar journey. Take risks. I think that's what I've been saying over and over. If you have an idea, just go with it. You never know what it's going to turn into. It could lead you to having a podcast with Good Athlete Project. That's right. That's right. Look at that. <laughs> the, 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 the pinnacle of any pinnacle career. Of career. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really good advice. What's worst case scenario? It doesn't come through. Next, <laughs> next challenge. Right. Fail forward. Yeah. End of lightning round. That's it? That's it. Okay. That was easy. All right, I've got two. Okay. Um, I'd like to know your favorite. You read a lot. I've seen your bookshelf. It is all full of, yeah. of research-based uh, yes. material. Yes. What is your favorite book or movie unrelated to your field? My favorite movie is Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio. Of course. The new <laughs> version. I love it. <laughs> uh, um, my favorite book actually goes back to when I was in middle school and my um, my grandma owned a bookstore and so I would just sit in there and I would just read and read and I would rarely take the books home because I would just sit there and read them but I still have this book and it's called The Farthest Away Mountain and I tried to read it to Riley a couple months ago but she had so many nightmares <laughs> we couldn't continue to read it um, but to this day I know it's still my favorite it just is a fairy tale kind of dream world it's really cool <laughs> that's an incredible answer you have an interesting life I wish I had a grandma who owned a bookstore that would that would have been exceptional if you weren't in this field what would you be doing I'd be a chef I always said if I hurt myself before going to college and I couldn't play volleyball, I was going to go to culinary school. Really? So I cook constantly, all the time. We rarely go out. I cook every single meal at home. I have a new menu board every week. I get rest cookbooks from the library, mark them all up. I, yeah. Sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. What's your favorite dish? Or what are some of your favorite You know, dishes? we rarely repeat because I yeah. just go, go, go. I'm so on a cool. vegetarian kick right now with my girls. Um, and I don't know, Riley just is loving it. Um, I think one of our latest was like a butternut squash and carrot risotto she really liked, mm -hmm. and this roasted vegetable chili with cauliflower and poblanos and cornbread so she really likes. So those have been some good ones lately. Okay, well, if you ever want to bring anything to the office, if they don't eat it all. There's generally no leftover. Fair? My, my kids are big eaters. Are they? That's yes. good. good. Yes, yes. Well, I don't. I bet you know this. Coach Nadalna is a bit of a chef himself. Oh. 
And uh, you've actually toyed with, you've talked about that as, you know, bottom it's falls. All, yeah, yeah, everything yeah, goes, yeah. goes to hell. Yeah. You'll cook. Yeah. I like, I mean, it's fun. Mm-hmm. From my infrequent experience, I would I would say you're pretty good at it, too. Oh, I appreciate it. So. I'm, I'm not on the menu board, and now I feel... Because <laughs> you don't have a family. Like my my husband likes to leave the house knowing that when he comes home, what are we having for dinner tonight? Now, now he knows it's a menu board. Yes. There you go. And my sister jokes with him. She's like, "What if you come home and you don't want what's on the menu board?" He's like, "I have to eat it." <laughs> yes, there's one item on this. That's menu. it. Like, and so do, it, it. That's yeah. it. And so do the kids. I don't. It's okay that you don't like it, Lila. You're eating it tonight because that that's is good. what is for dinner. I like it. It's almost like the illusion of choice. Like, oh, I'll have <laughs> that one. Yeah. yeah. That one option. They eat what I make. There you That's go. It. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you so much. Sincerely. We've been meaning to sit down and talk for a while. Your work is necessary. I've seen you in action many times, and you are uh, you are doing big things uh, for this field. So we're, we're grateful you. to have you for sure. Appreciate it. This episode brought to you by Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting. They are also the official sponsor of the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, a partner organization overseen by the Good Athlete Project. We would not support a product we didn't believe in. Check them out at Hand Armor Chalk on Twitter and Instagram.